I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Watford FC Buzz Podcast, the show where we talk about the greatest team in the land, Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Messiano and this week, like usual, we'll be discussing Watford and also having a little sneak peek at the team who Watford are about to play. This Saturday, that's Coventry City and we'll be chatting to the Sky Blues Extra podcast later on in the show. But first, I'm delighted to welcome back to the pod Watford Observer journalist Ryan Gray. And Ryan, I'm particularly delighted that you're joining me today because you were unfazed by any of the video problems that many of us encountered because, of course, you were at the game on Wednesday in person. So you can help me out a bit with uh, how the game actually went because aside from the audio commentary and the first part of the video that I saw uh, and the highlights, of course, I'm not exactly sure what happened in between video-wise. So uh, firstly, Ryan... A win's a win, and it's a much-needed three points that keeps us in the playoffs. But uh, it was a dodgy one, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was uh, not one you'd exactly call convincing, was it? Um, a a last-minute scrambled winner. But, um, you know, a, a win is a win, you, as you say, and it, it takes them up to fourth, and, and they are there despite not having played too too well so far this season and with sort of several key members of the squad absent so it's it is positive as, as as well as it is negative I guess yeah and Watford were a bit fortunate to win as well because last week I remember we we were discussing on the show uh how VAR could have helped us against Barnsley um but in this game it certainly wouldn't have helped us in fact probably Watford would have ended up losing because the first goal wasn't over the line and the third goal was handled by Sarah in the build-up so uh, I think Watford got away with one there Yes, yes, certainly with with that first one, I, I didn't really see uh, the handball for the third one. It, we weren't completely without uh, video problems in the press box because the uh, the TVs that we get all the replays and everything. I think it was using the same feed, so that cut out for us as well. So I, I have to say, in real time, I didn't actually see that handball, but certainly that that first one was hugely contentious and and uh, very much got away with one. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh... It was, it was just one change for Watford from the defeat with Barnsley with Cabaselli in place of True Stekong. But uh, did you see any other changes on the pitch? Um, no, it's, it's you know, Vladimir's staying very true to his word in that he's not one to, to change his formation or change the shape. He wants the team to adapt to that formation and to, to that style of play and to his philosophy. And, and whether or not, uh, you know the fans are enjoying it, or whether or not it's uh, attractive seems uh, immaterial to Vlad. He's uh, he's sticking with it. 
in the build up to the to the game obviously you got a chance to talk to Vlad and uh, I was really impressed with your question and, and in fact the answer that he uh, that he gave can you remind us all what what they were well I, I just asked him what he wanted to see his team do differently because he had been setting his team up you know the same every single game and and there's the uh, that old adage isn't there that uh, I think it's the definition of, of craziness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results so mm. I think it was a valid thing to ask of him and and he he seems perfectly happy with the tactical side of things I think for him it's a, a case of at the minute confidence and and the players adapting to that style and adapting to the league as well as something he's he's spoken a lot about the the team needing to change and and get used to the style of play because the championship is very different to the Premier League and um I'd say they they got a bit of confidence with the first goal last night somehow. I mean, they, they certainly didn't uh, deserve the goal, I would say, at that point in the game. But afterwards, they were a much better team. And it just shows you that a, a little bit of luck going away can, you know, have a, a big impact. Yeah, absolutely. It was, a, it was a belter, wasn't it, from Tom Cleverley? I mean, I thought initially that he'd gone in um, and, and the commentary seemed to suggest that, that the, uh, the, the referee had decided it was in because of the the goal line technology but um it did look as though on the replays that the reason why the goal line technology went off was because uh the, the goalkeeper was pushed into the goal after by Pedro which should have been a clear foul right well yeah and um there's actually a very interesting piece Adam Leventhal's done today in in the athletic where he talks about the the use of goal line technology and uh, one of the one of the interesting things that i read in there was that um he uh the the referee is expected to get a uh, a message or to to have his watch vibrate within a second of it crossing the line. Mm. I think it is a second after it crosses the line, and so the the delay between Tom Cleverley's shot and the the ball bouncing down and then the watch vibrating would definitely suggest that it was the second action where Pedro nudged Angus Gunn over the line that that's caused the watch to vibrate. Now. Obviously, the referee came across and, and had a word with the uh, with the fourth official. He said in his in his press conference after the game that that was he thought that was an issue of timing and and when the the watch had gone off. But he said ultimately he wasn't too sure what the two were talking about, whether they were discussing the the fact that there was a foul or not. Right, still really remains unclear. But um, yeah, it was a a big mess and. You know, a bad time for everyone's videos to cut out as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, the club have, uh, have said that they're going to refund everyone for that, which I think is a great gesture. But because we didn't see the, the second half, we uh, we got the audio commentary, of course. What crucial things did we miss from the, uh, from the second half? Well, I think um, Watford were the better team ultimately after the break. I think after the equalising goal, they were far, far better team. Um, it started off not too uh, exhilarating a, a second half. There wasn't a lot to, to for me to write about. I think Stephen Fletcher had a good chance with a header that he put wide. But other than that, there wasn't a, a huge amount to go on. And then a stroke of luck for, for the penalty. But, but Saar did really well to control mm. the ball once it had been miskicked. And then uh, and then Pedro you know, showed great composure for, for a 19-year-old to, to put it away as calmly as he did. Yeah. Um, so I think there was a lot of um, 
a lot of resilience shown in the second half, particularly, you know, Ken Semmer in, in extra time, charging down the wing, still not giving up. And especially after they conceded that the equalising goal to Stoke, which was a very good goal, actually, to the, uh, Powell took it very well, I thought. Um, but they they didn't give up. And that's something that I think, you know, they've perhaps been a bit guilty of in, in recent games where they've not been creating as much sort of as it's come to the end of the game. I think definitely against Barnsley when sort of time was running out and they hadn't created a shot on target and a lot of them just kind of looked like they were thinking, well, you know, what's what's the point? We've, we've not created anything now. It doesn't look like we're going to. Whereas yesterday it was very different and they they did keep going and, and they uh, somehow managed to find that winner. Yeah. Fletcher scored the opener um, for the visitors and uh, he scored it you know, pretty early on, and, and it felt as though it had all the the same hallmarks of, of 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 previous games where Watford just hadn't really started well. And but I think it is great credit to the team, albeit via a bit of luck, that they managed to rally themselves and, and ultimately come back to win it. But you know, ooh, I mean, how did that first half feel for you when when you when you first saw that goal go in against Watford in the in the first few minutes? Yeah, it was a bit of a sense of deja vu, really, con- considering the the Barnsley game before and uh, you know the the early goal they conceded there, and you did sort of, especially in the first few minutes, Watford were before before they got that equaliser were were really second best, and there were moments where sort of a couple of good interceptions or last gasp challenges really were the only thing stopping Stoke from getting a, another shot on goal, and it was. Uh, it was looking a little bit like Stoke had the potential to to run away with it, but I think Watford have learnt that their their greatest source of creativity is down that right hand side, particularly with uh, Feminia getting forward and and Saar linking up with him as well. And I think Saar, when Saar plays with Ngakia, those two link up as well. So Saar is uh, is doing really well with whoever seems to be playing behind him, and the crosses coming in from the right hand side are their greatest source of, of creativity, but it's a case of them getting the players into the box because there were a lot of times yesterday that were it's really frustrating to watch because you had Kiko getting forward and putting these crosses in and there was nobody there. Mm. And and you know, fortunately that one of those did lead to a goal because I think for it was Sars cross and it was headed away, but there didn't seem to be too many Watford players in the box for, for that cross and fortunately it fell to Tom Cleverley and then, you know, we had the uh, the big contentious decision after that, but um, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, you know just a bit more, a bit more willingness and a bit more confidence for for the players to get forward into the box, and and, and things will change for the better. It's 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 just a, a case of them knowing when to to make those moves forward. We got to see uh, a bit more of Gray. I say see, we didn't. We got to hear a bit more about Gray when he came on, and um, looking at the highlights, there was only one chance really that he had it was a header that he didn't get on target another good bit of play from Kiko Firmenia to get the ball in as you mentioned earlier but what else did we did we not see there from Gray was it was 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 there more chances for him that that didn't make the highlights cut or you know how has he played in in that front three yeah there, there wasn't a great deal for him to to get on the end of and I think that's something that's hampered Pedro certainly in in the uh, the opening 10 games of the season is that there isn't really that service, but you could see he is a lot more of a, a natural centre forward than Pedro in that he was making the the right runs into the box and there were lots of moments where the ball was in midfield with with Capu and, and players like that and 
he was making the runs forward, expecting it a pass. And I think there's been a, a case of Pedro hasn't been making those runs, so the midfield players aren't playing those passes. And now the midfield players have got used to those runs not being made by mm. Pedro, that they're reluctant to make those passes now. So there was champ, there were opportunities there for, for balls to be played through to Gray, where he was making you know a, a run that you'd expect a typical centre forward through the middle striker to be making, and the balls weren't for weren't, weren't uh, forthcoming. And I think he maybe needs to you know either start there or or perhaps. Pedro needs to learn how to be making those runs and make himself more of a, a number nine than perhaps, you know, he at the moment he seems a bit more like a wide player who's who's coming inside, whereas, you know, he needs to to learn how to be that out and out striker. Do you think Gray's edging closer to that start? I think he will be, yeah. Um Ivic said uh, recently that he wants to do with with the injured players with Gray and, and Hughes and Dini wants to do the same as, as what he did with Kapu where he you know brought him off the bench for a sort of 15 20 minutes and then gave him 45 minutes in another game and then eventually worked him up to those 90 minutes so I think with with Hughes and Gray we are at a point today uh, Ivic said actually that Hughes may start on Saturday and I think the same applies for Gray. I think those two are more or less uh, about the same level right. of, of fitness and, and condition. So I think we are nearing a, a place where we might see them start, but certainly I don't think we'll see them play 90 minutes until after the international break. But the international break does come at a good time for them because it gives them you know, a, a couple of weeks to just work on their fitness and, and work on getting back to back to their peak condition. And you mentioned him there, that uh, Will Hughes. How did he play for you against Stoke on Wednesday? Well, he was only on for sort of five minutes, um, and so he didn't really have too much of the ball. That's that's sort of what you want to see from him, getting on the ball and and linking up the the defence and the attack, and and being that pivot between the two. And um, he didn't get an awful lot of opportunity to do that, but he did. Um, there was one moment where he. Uh, created a bit of room on the edge of the box and tried to get a shot away. The shot was ultimately blocked, but the the movement to create the space was, was really nice to see him do that. And uh, that's something that I think Kapu can do, but he's been sort of expected to, to sit a little deeper, I think, with Ivic. And so he hasn't had the, the chance to get forward and, and do that. But I think it's something that perhaps, you know, the likes of Cleverly and Chalabar aren't really uh, able to, to create those little moments like that so it was it was encouraging to see and I think once mm. once Hughes is back the the midfield will be a lot a lot sharper and a lot more uh and able to control games a lot more than they have been until now yeah it'll be interesting to see who drops out to to accommodate Hughes it will um I think for for me the likelihood is it will be Chalabar um simply because he doesn't seem to be adapting to this league for one reason or another. He's he's struggled a lot, and we were we were saying in the press box yesterday. He looks at his best when uh, the other team have the ball, and you, you often realise that it's because he's uh, he's given the ball away and is is charging back to atone for a mistake. Oh. <laughs> so there's there's you know it's it's not really happening for him at the moment. Cleverly, obviously, Ivic sees him as a leader on the pitch, and he's given him the captain's armband while Dini's absent and uh, so I don't think he'd drop him and, and Kapu 
is is getting better and better each game. He's still not at his best, but he is, you know, getting to be something like the Kapu we we know and you know trust to really dictate play in the centre as well. A player who impressed me on Wednesday from what I saw of the game was, was Ken Semmer and, and it was fantastic work from him to, to create the winner for, for Sar to slot in. How has he impressed you this season so far? Just judging on these opening uh, you know games that we've seen him play and getting down up and down that, that left wing back position, it's it seems like he's slotted in there really well and, and you know he's we've been seeing some really good football from him this season. Yeah, I think just in terms of sheer effort, he's certainly been one of the best players. Um, he, you know, some people do say he's perhaps a little single-minded in his approach and that he is sort of head down and run. And then once he sort of sees the byline, he'll then look up and, and see what his options are. But as you mentioned for that goal, it was a super bit of skill to, to get away from his man. And then the awareness to pick out Sar in the, in the centre was brilliant. And he, he has been a one of the standout players and one that I think a lot of people wouldn't have expected to be a standout player as well. He uh, obviously was sent out on loan last season, perhaps didn't really have uh, uh, a place in the team. And he's uh, certainly made made that left-back position his own. He has benefited. It's, it's strange because he's been one of the better players, yet he's one of the players who has really no competition for it, for his place. A lot of you know everyone else in the team, you'd say, there is someone else who could play that position. But yeah. Ken Semmer, is, he's not only that, but he's, he's being deployed out of position and his only real source of competition, Adam Messina, is, is going to be out until sort of January, possibly even February. So, you know, he's under no real pressure to perform, but yet he is uh, performing a lot better than, than some of the others. Mm. It's been highlighted, though, that uh, his defensive work isn't his strong point, And that's why Ivic is not scared, but it's not really keen on playing him in that left back role. And that's why we haven't seen too much of the of the of the back four this season. Yeah, it's it's definitely something Ivich has, has pointed out on several occasions that the the back five is a consequence of him having a lack of options and Semmer not being a, a naturally defensive player. He's the only left footed player that Ivich has and and he makes uh, no, um, no bones about bringing that up. Ivic, he's he's constantly reminding us that, you know, he he would be interested in changing the formation if he could, but he he constantly says that he will play the formation that suits the players he has. And if he only has one left-sided mm-hmm. player and it isn't a defender, then he he's going to want extra defensive cover. So I think I think that's a, a consequence of of Adam Messina being out. Um, once Messina gets back, then. Or, or if indeed uh, a free agent or um, a new signing is made in January, then maybe we might get to see Ivich tinker a little bit more. But for now, he, he's certainly being very stubborn with his formation and uh, unwilling to, to change it. Yeah, and it seems as though uh, from latest reports that Messina won't be available until February. And if it's likely that he'll be introduced in the same way that uh, Kapu has been and, and Hughes has been, he he may not be starting games until March, which is you know getting close towards the end of the season. One would think that they have to look at maybe bringing somebody in in January in the January window, if not earlier, as a free transfer before then. But you know he's been asked a few times. It seems like almost every press conference somebody asks whether he's going to get himself a a new left sided player, and he just keeps saying, "I want one," but uh, you know it's it's not forthcoming at the minute, but. I'm sure the club are probably working quite hard behind the scenes to to 
to find a solution. Yeah, I imagine they're they're at least looking. Um, it's uh, it is a problem that the only other real option you have is if uh, if and he's going to have to rotate at some point, especially given the uh, the busy Christmas period that's just around the corner. So, you know, the only other option you'd think is to play Ngaki at right back and then put Kiko Feminier at left back. But then you know. Kiko's also going to want to rest at some point as well. He can't be expected to play every game either on the left or the right. So he does need more uh, more chance to to vary who he plays in those fullback positions. So it, it would make sense for the, for the club to bring one in. But for now, it's sort of been working, and they they may be tempted to to just wait. Um, it's a it's a difficult decision they have to make, particularly. I think they won't want to rush into making a decision and possibly getting the wrong person. Um, that's certainly something they definitely won't want to do. And mm. so it's uh, it's about striking that balance of getting someone, making sure that they are right for the squad, making sure that there's someone who wants to be there ultimately. If that's something that Ivic has is, is repeated about the, the players he, he has in his team, he wants them to, to want to be there. He doesn't want people who are, who are constantly sort of eyeing up the next move or using the club as, as a springboard and so he's um it is about getting that balance right and I think there are there were obviously options for fullbacks to be signed over the summer. They you know they sort of they looked at Baba Rahman and people like that but they um perhaps decided for one reason or another that they weren't right and if, if the right person isn't available then it could well be that they wait. Hmm. I wonder if maybe Stevenson might be tried again. He was played a little bit in the in the cup competitions, and he I thought he played okay. But he's, he's a youngster, and you know it, it would be a big ask for him maybe to come into the into the championship in a fixture. But uh, you know it's uh, certainly an option worth looking at. It is an option, and he he played against um, Oxford and Newport. He was very good against Oxford. I thought less so uh, against Newport. I think you know he uh, he looked a little lost. In that game, so there is, um, you know, he's certainly not the finished article, but you know, you, you could have him as as someone on the bench, perhaps if if the the team are winning and in a, in a good position, then you know, give Semmer that extra fifteen twenty minutes, take him off, and give him a bit more time to rest and and get Stevenson in and, and give Stevenson some experience and some minutes. It's not a bad, you know, idea, but it's just whether or not he's someone you could rely on and at the minute you'd have to say he's he's probably too young and inexperienced for that. Mm, no solution yet to Watford's left-sided problem but uh, we move on and Watford's next opponents are Coventry on Saturday and uh, some would view this game as a quote easier game but uh, I mean we saw what happened against Wickham. Watford can't be aff- afforded to take this game lightly. They certainly can't, and you know Coventry beat Reading last week, so mm. it's uh, it is proof if uh, if it was ever needed that the championship is you know a league where anyone can beat anyone, and yep. Watford can't be complacent. That's right. Uh, do you think the Watfords might look to change anything, or is it is it going to be again the same sort of system that we've seen, you know, from from Wednesday and, and before? Yeah, I'd, I'd expect the same system. He, he might be t- tempted to rotate players again. He's he's not played the same team twice yet in a row this season, so I would expect there'll be a, a couple of changes. Um, but 
he's he's proving very difficult to second guess. So um, <laughs> I, I'd I'd expect Ngakia to maybe come in. Um, Truster Kong maybe and and possibly Truster Kong, but um, I think the the back three didn't do too badly last night. They you know there there were moments where they were a bit sketchy, and, and Wilmot made a couple of mistakes again, and uh, so he might be tempted to to freshen that up at the back. But I'd be interested to see when when he might look to to other players like Francisco Sierralta who's obviously available and and is is a defender who um you know is a Chilean international who comes with some you know high regard it's uh, yeah interesting to to see that he's not been utilized in in the league yet and uh, we saw he did three say questions in particular didn't we from the uh from the uh, Chilean reporter who who wanted to know yes, why Sheralta yeah. wasn't wasn't <laughs> playing despite uh, putting in some decent performances for the national side uh, against Uruguay in particular I think Yes, yeah, they, they they obviously think he's a, a very good player over there in uh, in Uruguay and uh, sorry in in South America in Chile and it's it is interesting to see that he hasn't used him. He obviously has his reasons why he doesn't want to use him. Whether he feels the the ones who are playing at the minute are doing a good enough job, or whether he feels that Cyril hasn't perhaps shown him enough in training yet to to warrant a a place in the starting lineup. But as these players come back from injury, there's fewer and fewer spaces on the bench you know it's uh could be quite frustrating for for Sierra Alta and if you've you know made the move to a different country to play football you're going to want to play and if he isn't getting that game time then uh, perhaps he he may start to become a little bit uh frustrated yeah for Coventry it looks like they're going to be without their top goal scorer Matt Godden it, it could be um a fortunate one for for, for Watford going into this then yeah, it could. Uh, last season, Coventry didn't score an awful lot, but Godden, you know, was the exception to that, and uh, you know, was was a, a very highly thought of player. And they they really got that promotion last season off the back of just having a really solid defence. Um, they haven't quite had that this season. They've conceded a lot of goals, and mm. so they do have problems at the back. And if if they are without Godden, then it, it could be a really difficult game for them. Final question then, and uh, it's the same question that I always ask, Ryan. What, what, do, what do you think the score might be on, uh, on the weekend? Um, I, I think Watford will, will have gained a bit of confidence from that win, and I, I think you know it could be quite a comfortable day for them. I'd say you know two nil would be a, a reasonable expectation uh, against a team who who are struggling. Excellent stuff. Well, that's the voice of Ryan Gray, and you can follow him on Twitter for some top Watford insight at Observer Ryan. Next up then, we're going to chat about that team, Coventry City, with Sky Blues Extra podcast contributor and fan, Dean Atkinson. Oh, no. Oh, mate, you've sliced that one. Oh, man, that's just getting embarrassing now. Right, that's it. I'm sorting this out. Hello? Is that Nick Pinnett's Golf Academy? Can you fit me in for a few lessons, please? Oh, terrific. Whew. Blimey, what a shot. What in the world has happened to your game? If your game could do with some improving, get in touch with Nick Pinnock's Golf Academy, based in Panshanger. Nick is a PGA qualified coach who can analyse your game with the latest technology and coach you to beating your mates in no time. For more details, Google Nick Pinnock's Golf Academy. 
Hi, Dean. Welcome to the show. Uh, well, you're probably still hurting from that late Nottingham Forest equaliser yesterday, and that result probably hurts all the more because it felt as though last Friday that the team had maybe turned it around and, and recorded a win against the top side in, in Reading. Good afternoon, Matthew. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, as you say, difficult to take that one last night. Uh, for most of the game, we, we were the team in the ascendancy. We had four or five really, really guilt edge chances in that second half to put the game to bed and it was a sucker punch right at the end right at the death but we are the makers of our own downfall unfortunately giving the ball away yet again uh, it seems to be the Coventry City way this season so far we just give the ball away cheaply and yeah giving away a sloppy penalty in the 96th minute and you know that, that ultimately cost us the game uh, but yeah as you say we came back off that that win against Reading on on Friday night, and we were we were fantastic on Friday. We 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 felt as fans as as we turned a corner a little bit, uh, but alas, not to be with with the result last night. You've managed just two wins all season. The other coming against QPR. What's going right and what's going wrong with the side that ultimately gave you all a, a really exciting ride last season that culminated in winning the League One title? Absolutely, yeah. Last season was absolutely fantastic. Um, the style of play uh, was was great. Um, everything clicked. It, it sort of came natural to us last season in that division. Uh, we've been in there a while, uh, albeit we obviously we've dropped down to League Two for for a season uh, at one stage. But yeah, it's I kind of feel like we're a little bit naive so far this season. We're still coming to terms with the golfing class and the the difference in class in in the Championship as opposed to League One. Uh, there are signs. There are signs. But it's sort of getting there. We've changed our shape lately, which I suppose we'll come on to before. Uh, looking ahead at the Watford game, but ultimately, I think our experience has been our, our downfall so far this year. We haven't got too many players who have played in the Championship uh, to an extent. We've got a couple of players in like some Carmack Fazine and Jamie Allen who mm. who have played there to to a certain extent, but not the sort of you know they're not accustomed to to that division along with many others in the squad. So we're still get, we're still coming to terms. We're still getting grips, um, and we'll get there eventually, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, Mark Robbins has obviously done a great job there. You know, he's got your promotion and his tactics obviously worked last season. But is it uh, the fact that his tactics aren't quite clicking this season? Or is it more like you alluded to there that the playing squad needs more investment? I kind of feel like it's a, it's a multitude of things. Uh, one, the experience, as, as I uh, mentioned in the previous question. Secondly, we don't have, we don't, at the moment, I, I mean, I look at our squad and I think we've got the quality to at least stay up. Um, Maybe I'm looking at it with sky blue tinted glasses, <laughs> but um, I, I do feel like we have the quality there. It's, a, it's it's all a case of it clicking and and gelling. Thirdly, I don't feel like we have a plan B. Uh, we struggle for a plan B, and that's something Robbins has got to sort out. Last season we got away with it because generally the teams you play at League One level only play one way, whereas in the Championship you come against teams that some play four at the back, some play three, mm. some play with very high wing backs. Uh, so we need a way to sort of change it so we can we can take on different types of opposition. I think we're missing that at the moment. Um, but as you say, like I, I can't fault Robbins too much because of what he's done for this football club. He came in uh, a couple of seasons ago. We were pretty much down in the doldrums in League One. Um, he didn't keep us up. I mean, nobody would have been able to keep us up, not even Sir Alex Ferguson that season, I don't <laughs> yeah. think. Um, we went down to League Two and... He pulled us out of nowhere in League Two because at one stage of that season, it was looking it was looking desperate again. Yeah. But um, 
it's a it's a meteoric rise for for Coventry City and and Matt Robbins in in that way. So I can't fault him too much. So we have to give him time, um, and I'm sure he'll get it right eventually. But you know, we can't. We we say in our podcast, you know, it's five six games in. We've got to give the team time. We're ten games into the season now. How long do we have to give them? You know, they should be bedding in now. So yeah. that's a worry. Um, but I'm sure we'll get there. So talk us through what transfers the club did make this season then in preparation for the championship. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't too many sort of high-profile signings. Um, I think it's well documented. We've got one of the smallest budgets in the in the division, mm. along with Wickham. Perhaps even lower than Wickham, to be honest, um, as, as Mark Robbins has alluded to. You know, we we struggle for cash because of our owners. You know, they, they don't tend to give a lot of money to, to the playing staff kind of area so but we have spent a little bit um Gus Hammer or Hamer or Amer he's different ways to pronounce this guy's name <laughs> yeah. um but he looks an absolute quality signing cost a couple of million um from the Dutch leagues he looks like he's settled in really well he's a very tenacious but talented um midfielder who's got a really good strike of the ball on him um he loves to tackle but he's got a great pass as well and awareness on the pitch. So he looks like an astute signing. We brought in Ben Chief from Arsenal on loan. Uh, he was highly touted and he played really well in League One for Doncaster last season. He's slowly mm. come to terms of uh, in with the championship and he's um, he settled in really well. Last couple of games, he's, he's played really well for us. So um, he's one to look out for. Um, and Callum O'Hare is a real shining light in this team. We, we had him on loan last season. And he was he was definitely up there with one of our players of the season, and for some reason Aston Villa let him go in the summer, um, and there was a lot of teams touting for his signature. A lot of German teams were looking looking at him too. Um, they obviously love a lo- uh, lots of English young English talent, but yeah, we managed to keep yeah. hold of him, um, and I think he's going to be the shining light of this team. Really, he's the one we look look for to to create something out of nothing. Um, and he's chipped in with a couple of goals so far this season, which he didn't really do a lot last year. He didn't score that too many goals. He's more more of the provider. So those are the three, um, I think, are stand standouts, along with Leo Ostergaard, who we got in from Brighton, a very, very strong centre-half, uh, Norwegian international. Um, he looks like a, a proven championship player already. He was on loan at St. Pauli last year, um, and he's, he's taken to life in the championship really well. So those are kind of the the ones that we brought in, the sort of the standouts really. So we mentioned that uh, you unfortunately lost your last fixture two one, very narrowly uh, losing a penalty in the last minute I think it was or something. Yeah, like ninety six really. Yeah. But but if we talk about the game before that, Reading. I mean, not many teams have been able to beat Reading this season, and uh, you know you you guys are, are one of the few who have. I mean, can you tell me what you think you did right to actually? get the victory on that day and is that something that you'd like to see more of going forward particularly against Watford this I mean before Reading we we looked poor if I'm honest we were, were null of ideas and we were very isolated up top half of the pitch and we switched it to two up top which is not really Robbins' style of play he likes to play with the sort of triangle at the top of the pitch uh, we switched to two and that gave us an out ball and there was some fantastic play by Max Biamu and, and Matty Goddard up there they were able to keep the ball and it just relieved the pressure a little bit. Saying that, I don't think the the, the Reading side that has, has taken the championship by storm really turned up, if I'm honest. Right. Um, I, I, I really do feel, and we spoke about this on the Skybreeze Extra podcast quite a bit, 
we feel like Reading are pretty much in a, in a false position. The teams okay. they've played, I don't really feel like they're going to be challenging for for the top end of the pitch. Uh, sorry, top end of the season, uh, the table at the end of the season. Right. Um, so I do really feel like they're they're in a, a bit of a false position. Saying that, they were missing two of their best players in Ajaria and Swift. So, um, you know, they didn't really create as many chances as as they probably have in in previous games. Um, but on the Coventry City side of things, we. We just sort of pressed. We were more in control with an extra man in the middle of the middle of the park, um, and as I say, that two switches to two up top really allowed us to relieve the pressure at times. Um, and it was just a, a all-round quality, good team performance, really. Interestingly, those two wins that you've recorded this season have both come at home, but uh, it's not really home, is it, Dean? It's uh, it's Birmingham City where you're currently playing. It, does that? I mean, I suppose this season. Everything feels weird, but uh, does it feel weird to see your side playing in in, a, in, a, in somebody else's stadium? Yeah, I mean it's a very very long story, and you know there's there's plenty of documentation online on on what's happened. But yeah, it's 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 odd. Um, if I'm personally honest, I won't won't step foot into St Andrews as a home team. I have yeah. no no problem stepping in there um, as an away side, which we did in the cup last year, which was uh, very odd, and we'll, we'll do again this year. Um, <laughs> But yeah, for me, I it's it's just it's it's poor, really. No club should shouldn't be playing in their home city, regardless of what's happened in the past and mm. legal legal stuff, which obviously I can't go into too much detail. But yeah, it's just it's just poor from our from our owners. It's not the first time they did it. We they did it to take us to Northampton uh, when we were first in League One in 2013, 2014. So you know we're kind of used to playing away from home as mm. our home games. Um, but it's tough. It's tough to see. I feel sorry for for the youngsters really because they're not seeing their football club in in our home home city, um, and it shouldn't be the case. Is there anything uh, planned or, or or lined up for for maybe next season or anything you've heard? Well, we were due to go back to the Rico this year, um, and then talks broke down due to various EU uh, lit- uh, litigations and stuff like that. So mm. um, it's a very complicated situation. Um, we the when they announced during the summer that we were going back to St Andrews, obviously the fans were absolutely devastated and it caused a, a bit of ruckus on the likes of Twitter, etc. But then they came out saying that we've we've made a plan with Warwick University to buy land off them and create this all purpose stadium okay. that we'll share with Warwick University. But there's no planning permission, there's no architecture permission, there's nothing's happened. So, you know, it, for me, it's a bit of a false hope to to think that's going to come off, but we we wait and see. Um, you know, they've we give the owners a lot of crap, um, but they've they've kind of backed us so far with with cash to spend on players this season in the championship. So potentially there might be something there, but I I won't hold my breath if I'm honest. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds disappointing for for, for both off the field to be a fan and, and also on the field this season I suppose last season it, it didn't matter so much because the team was winning most weeks and, and it was a great ride but uh, you need to be back in your home stadium surely yeah I mean there's no two ways about it you know the Rico was purposely built for us as a football club and regardless of what the council and what the um, the the current owners wasps um, say that that is our stadium end of story it was built for us it was purpose built for us to move from Highfield Road I mean, that decision now looks like an absolute disaster um, and a really, really poor one by 
the the previous owners but yeah we we have to be we have to be back home um there's no two ways about it sometimes of this season then i mean it's, it's very very early days but uh how far do you think coventry could could go what, what what do you think their their aim should be for this season just managing to stay in the championship or, or mid table maybe further yeah i mean it's a big talking point through through the the coventry um fan base you know there was a lot of optimism at the start of the season be even before ball was kicked to uh, some some fans thought we we could push for playoffs which was never going to be the case um any realist would have would have said just staying in the division was 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 our goal for this season mm. and that remains um it, there's no two ways about it if we can stay one position ahead of relegation zone this uh, come come the end of the season then that is a very very positive season for for Coventry City you know we haven't been in the championship for nine on eight years it's a very very different league now to to the one we left there's a lot more quality uh, that's for sure the golfing class has obviously shown with our results so far this season although saying that I don't feel like we've been played completely off the pitch bar two games uh, we have been in 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 the match but you know through a series of individual errors naivety poor decision making that's been our downfall I, I feel this season mm. along with no plan b but you know I don't want to harp on about it but you know it is early still in a way but we've we've got to come to terms and get to grip of of this of this championship um before it's too late yeah Blackburn Rovers put four past you and Coventry beat you 3-1 but aside from that I mean when you look at the results you're pretty much in most games yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, the Blackburn game, that's down to a red card in the first 10 minutes. Um, I, I personally wouldn't say that we would lose 4-0 and if we had 11 men on the pitch. Uh, Bournemouth, OK, yeah, we were outclassed. Um, they've got one of the best, along with Watford, they've got one of the best squads in the division. Um, so, really, that, that, was, that was bound to happen. But the other games, I, I don't really don't feel like we we haven't been out we haven't been outclassed at all. I mean, you look at the Swansea game. We it was one one, but we were the better side. We were the better side against Bristol for seventy minutes and lost two one. Um, again last night against Nottingham Forest, but we can't keep saying that. Sometimes you you've got to get the points on the board, and um, you know, losing narrowly losing means nothing in the context of staying in the division. Uh, we, we need the points. Matt Godden has scored four so far this season. He's assisted a couple as well. Is he your biggest goal threat at the minute? He is, yeah, without a doubt. Um, there was question marks over if Matty Godden could do it in the Championship and so far he stepped onto the plate. We said at the start of the season there needs to be some kind of leader on the pitch and so far I feel like he has, he has really come to the party very early and he's done really, really well. And he's often been isolated um, in the many, many games we've played this year. Mm. Um, we've... we've just the one man up top. We've we've really struggled in the games where we've played one man up top to clear our lines and and join the attack with with Godden. Um, but the last couple of games um, that that hasn't been the case. We've 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 really attacked as a unit and we've pushed up well. And Matty Godden, his work his work rate is impeccable. But unfortunately, he did pick up an injury last night. Um, something wrong with his foot. We we don't really know what's happened. Uh, he, he did look like he he, he felt the worst, so mm. potentially he he could be out for a number of weeks, um, along with a, a, a list of names at the moment. So 
I can we hear Watford fans sighing a deep sigh of relief. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because that's that's our main threat. But we do have the likes of Tyler Walker sitting on the bench. You know, we brought Tyler in from, from Forest during the summer for just under a million pounds, which I thought was fantastic business. Um, he's a he's a proven goal scorer, all okay at League One level. He's done a little bit at the Championship, uh, perhaps didn't get a fair crack of the whip at Forest, but he's got a pace, he's got trickery, um, and he he might be some someone that that Watford need to look out for at the weekend, uh, along with the likes of Callum O'Hare. So, mm. you know, we do have threats, uh, that's for sure. Um, but f- for me, our biggest problem at the moment is conceding goals. We've conceded twenty goals mm. uh, in ten games. Which for this team is is an unheard of. You know, we we started last um, we we set last season's strengths as 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 defending, and we didn't concede many goals last year, um, and that's just complete role reversal this year, which is which is disappointing. But it hasn't helped. We've we've changed the back. Well, we play a back three with two wing backs. We've changed that around quite a bit due to injuries, due to suspensions. So that hasn't helped having a settled back line. Um, so hopefully at some point in the season we get we do get that settled and, and stop leaking goals. Dean, you said that um, if we're looking ahead to the Watford game now, that uh, the the manager Mark Robbins changed his sort of setup for the Reading game. Did he uh, keep it that way for the for the Nottingham Forest game as well? And and if that's so, do you think that uh, it'll be the same shape for the Watford fixture? He did keep it for the for the Forest game, and I do feel like that's probably the way he's going to play now. Um, mainly because we were getting overrun in midfield and we needed an extra bloke in there uh, and we needed to change our outball because at the, when you have one up front, it's very hard. If you're pegged back, it's very hard when you have that outball to join up in the attack and Godden was isolated. So we've, we've changed the two up top now. Uh, we've dropped one of the midfielders back into midfield properly. So we have a sort of a flat three in the middle of the park. That's how we'll set up. There's no there's no doubt about it in my mind. Um and it's 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 been a long time coming because with the first four or five games we could see the issue as fans we could see the issue we 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 run a live show after each game and everybody was saying we're just getting overrunning midfield there's no outball and thank God he changed it for that Reading game um, and it worked and it worked really well and it worked last night to an extent we just didn't finish the chances like I said it was one of those games where you come away going how did we not win that match um, but you know. We, alas, we we didn't score. So we, we, you know, you don't win if you don't score. Simple as that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's time to put those uh, sky blue spectacles on again. Uh, <laughs> what do you think the score will be on Saturday? Um, I really like the look of Watford, if I'm honest. Um, just because of the, the class in that squad. I mean, it really is. I mean, you you look at the list. It really is pretty much a a Premiership squad um, to an extent. I mean, you only lost a couple of players in the summer, didn't you? So. The likes of Ismail Saar, you know, Troy Deeney, Andre Gray. These are proven sort of Premier League players, you know. They've, they've done it to an extent in that division. So I do feel fear the worst. But then on on the other hand, I feel like we've got a really attacking... We've got real good attacking threats. We, we break at pace. And I think that sort of ageing Watford back line, um, which I would say, t- to be fair, it is it is ageing, I, I feel... We could we could cause a threat at the top half of the pitch, but I feel like your attacking threats outdo our attacking threats. So um, I I would love to say a Coventry City win, but I think it'll be a, it'll be a close game. Um, but I I would say a, a two-one Watford victory. 
Okay, that's fair. Very fair analysis and uh, and great for having you on. Thanks again for joining me, Dean. That's Dean Atkinson there from the Sky Blues Extra podcast. And you can follow him on Twitter for some more top football insight, albeit mostly from a Coventry-skewed perspective, at Dino, a.k.a. Well, sadly, we're out of time again, but don't worry, because we'll be back again soon with some great insight and great analysis. And, of course, great guests just like Dean Atkinson. So if you've enjoyed the series so far, make sure to share it to your mates, give us a retweet, and please get in touch to tell us what you want to see in future episodes. So from me, Matt Messiano, this has been the Watford Buzz podcast. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.